Lord Jesus Christ. How many are happy this evening? Amen. I hope no one is under the weather. Amen. Are we all about the weather? Amen. God bless you. Uh, without waste of time, Somebody asked me the other time from uh, from another country, saying we took a, we, they actually were talking about the communication system within the church, how they have all members of the assemblies numbers on a database where they can send a mass communication to all of them. And we're saying it's a, it's a very good system. It's working for us, uh, especially when the weather is bad. We can send it during the day that uh, service is canceled because of weather. Amen. Then I said, hey, where we are, it is a problem because if we can have it and send it to cancel the service because of weather, the believers will be very upset with us. Amen. I'm just asking myself if we had we sent a communication and said the weather is bad. I think all the people that are here tonight were really going to be upset. Amen. Maybe Others that are not here might have said, you, I, in a very understanding church. Amen. The reason we come to church, and, and this is where it makes us as pastors to, to feel a burden so that we become responsible because when people walk through such weather to come to the service, it means they mean business with God. And that means if, they, if you are given a chance to speak to them for an hour or two, you've got really to mean business as well. Are we together? And that I'm simply saying we are not taking, you are coming to the midweek service under current weather uh, for granted. We, a church is church because of the people. Amen. And, and we appreciate you for that. Hallelujah. I thought I must just mention that. Amen. So somebody was saying, you see, you cannot cancel a service for an African eagle. Amen. You know, as people from Africa, I mean, when I say Africa, I'm referring to the continent and everybody that stays here, black and white, Asian. The, the way we have been, how we have been built up, we are able to withstand the things that other people cannot withstand. You get to uh, Europe and the U.S., just standing in the queue, it's a big mission for them. They get very agitated, but you can stand in a long home affairs uh, queue and, and because of where we are, these things, they built our character. 
Amen. And no wonder the prophets really had high regard for this continent. Because we, we are the people that can worship God in poverty. We are the people that can worship God in riches. We are able to worship God during winter, during summer. We are immune to the environment whenever we do something. Amen. And sometimes we, we've got not to look down on ourselves. We've got to look at ourselves and say, God, we thank you that you have shaped us and molded us in this way. Amen. So God bless you richly. Without waste of time, let us turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark 16, verse 9. I think the Sunday service to me was very special on so many levels. I don't know how many were blessed on Sunday, but I, for one, was very, very blessed. I think God visited us in a very special manner. Amen. Uh, I said Mark 16. Oh, verse 9. Oh, you got it. Yes, let me do this here um, so that my things are ready to go. It, it reads in this manner, if it is found. Mark 16, verse 9, it reads in this manner. It says, Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast out, hallelujah, seven devils. She went and told them that that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had, be, had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the rest of Jew, neither believed they them. After he appeared unto the eleven, as they sat at meat, and unbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Amen. Uh, as we bow our heads, just for the word of prayer, gracious Heavenly Father, this evening we have just read once again, together with the believers, so that we can just share the word and Lord, we believe that in a system where all systems are crumbling, the only thing that will stand in this hour is the revealed word of the hour. That is why as believers we are not ashamed to rally around this revealed word of the hour. And that is why we can walk in this kind of weather and come and worship God because 
every one of us know what happened in their hearts. And Lord, what has happened in our hearts is very special. And the experience thereof, the devil shall never take it away from the believers. And Lord, I say, as they are here, may you bless them abundantly. And Lord, I know it is during the cold, but the weight is the best immunization against all kinds of diseases, dear God. As I committed the reading of the word to you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. While you take your seats. Amen. Uh, we're not going to be long. Are the icon on for, so that it become what? Yeah? Some of us, we feel cold. Me, I feel cold. How many are feeling cold? Okay. How many are not feeling cold? Okay. Us that are feeling cold have been outvoted. But my mother almost said the cold ones must go this side. <laughs> Those that are during summer must come this side. Amen. I don't know. Let me let me not get the involved there because if I take sides, then I will lose amens that I've not taken sides with. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Uh, we're not gonna be long. It's a it's a and on Wednesday on Sunday we spoke about a point of contact. How. Every believer must have a point of contact. And we said a point of contact is a place or something that you do that elevates your faith. And that faith will bring results. And we said every, because every one of us, we've got a way to activate the supernatural realm to bring it into this world. Are we together? So... Uh, and we have spoken about different points of contact, but uh, this evening I want us to speak on a simple message. This message, I loved it so much when I was growing up, when it just brought uh, one friend that I don't know where he is in the world. Uh, I forgot his name, but his name was Brother Donald. Uh, Brother Donald and I, whenever we met, the, we had we had certain messages that we just actually we used to meet at conventions, and when we met at conventions, we would hardly sleep because we would go through what has blessed us. And first time when I read this message, it blessed me, and I went to the convention. I met Brother Donald. We shared about the message, and later when we came for the second convention, we had read again same message. If, if you were really to take a book uh, spoken with called A Testimony on the Sea. How many have read that spoken with? A Testimony on the Sea. It's a beautiful book. How, how Brother Brenham dramatizes after the service was done, how everybody had their chance to offer their testimony in the boat. And maybe if we can take it like that, we can say, Everybody on the boat shared about their point of contact with the supernatural. Are we together? And how they were brought up 
to believe that the Messiah was coming, how the Messiah was going to be like, and how, when he came, how they connected with him. It's a beautiful message. I encourage you to go and read that spoken word. It's a, it's a testimony on the sea. Are we together? And a lot of times, folks, we, we need not to look at Hollywood to give us entertainment or something that can edify them. When you read a lot of things that Brother Brenham has shared, and I'm glad some churches have taken a step forward to bring these things. Some of them, there will be young people that bring them in a drama fold and they will take a spoken word and dramatize it as Brother Branham dramatized and they will create a play. Those things are good. Are we together? And another spoken word that you will really enjoy is teaching on Moses. Those spoken word, Brother Branham had a photographic memory. I looked at how he wrote his notes you couldn't make much out of it. But out of that writing came a lot of things. And 50, almost 50 years later, we are still feeding on these things. Are we together? Uh, this evening, I want us to speak on a court trial. A court trial. Amen. That's what we want to speak on this evening a court trial. And we want to turn this service into a court. Hallelujah. And we, we want to turn this pulpit into a court stand. And we want to turn you into the jury. Hallelujah. So that as witnesses, and because when you go I went to a court and I, I sat down there how the court is being run, how they would call the prosecutor and the prosecutor will call witnesses and the defending attorney would come, would make a statement and present witnesses, cross-examine witnesses. But ultimately, the magistrates in South African uh, criminal system or justice system would come up with a verdict. But in the States, they would have a jury. It's a group of men and women that they pick up, they sit there, and they really listen uh, as to how it unfolds. Are we together? Uh, I don't know how many have ever followed a court case. Not that you were a criminal. How many have ever followed a court case? Okay. Amen. No one has ever followed a court case. There was Pistorius. I don't know if that story missed you. Amen. If it missed you, either you were out of the country or in prison. <laughs> Amen. Yes, the prison will delay you. When, when Absa had merged, because it used to be Falskas and uh, uh, United, some of you, you were not there when those banks were there. So after they had merged and formed APSA, Brother McCaffrey and I were next to an ATM. We heard a man say, looking at APSA and say, what, what bank is this now? Then Brother McCaffrey said, this man must have been in prison for not to know that there is APSA. Amen. 
Now, it's, God believes that everything must be tested. Spirits must be tested. The weight must be tested. Believers must be tested. Doctrines must be tested. Everything in God's economy must be tested. Including himself, God wants to be tested on his weight. Because God is not above his weight, above his own weight. God is subjected to his own weight. Are we together, folks? So that means God can never divorce himself from what he has spoken. And that means you as a believer has got the scriptural rights to take the revealed weight, even the written weight, and go to God and say, God, you, no one else, spoke and said this will happen. And therefore, I come on the basis of the requirements that you have stipulated and I expect you to answer me. Are we together? Every believer has got the right to hold God accountable on every promise that he has made. But provided that a believer is in line with the spirit that spoke the word. Are we together? You, you, cannot, you cannot wake up in a drunken step and turn around and say, God, you need to do one, two, three. No, 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 no. You've got to come on the right ground. And when you arrive on the right ground, then you are able to go to God and say, God, on the basis of this ground, you said every man and woman that comes on this ground, you, the God of heaven, will fulfill your promise, and I'm looking at this promise, then it will be fulfilled. Are we together? Now, and, and we are not going to, we, we might not follow it the way you have read it in the message court trial, as Brother Brennan put it, because uh, a lot has changed since then. Are we together? Now, when there is a court or a case that uh, uh, Proceed, that is the proceedings in a, in a court of law, there must be a charge. You, you, when you are called in and you are brought into court, by that time you have already received a charge sheet as to what you are alleged to have committed. So this evening we have a prosecuting attorney who is representing the state, a prosecuting, authority, uh, a prosecuting attorney will always represent a state. And in this case, the state is the world. And the prosecuting and the one that belongs to the world and defends the world is Satan. Are you with me, church? And he represents the world because he belongs to the world. And the breach, the, the charge is that there, is, there, is, there has been a breach of promise. Promise was made, but was not kept. Now, the prosecuting attorney is bringing a charge against God, against the defendant, who is the almighty God, for a breach of promise. Are we together? And the prosecuting attorney 
has got witnesses that he will call so that they can tell what has happened in their lives. And these statements that they would say, the prosecuting attorney thinks that it is an empirical evidence that if it is presented to you as the jury, God can be found guilty to have broken a promise. Are we together? And that means if you are a jury, you cannot sleep during the court because when we come to the end and we say make a ruling and you had slept, then that is a very serious problem. So that means when you are a jury, you must take keen interest in the proceedings because why? You are looking at the balance of probabilities. You are looking at scenarios. You want to be objective that once it's done, you are able to deliver a verdict to say guilty or not guilty. And you can be able to substantiate your verdict. Are we together? The defendant has a witness and has a key witness. There is always a witness in chief whenever you are defending yourself. A witness in chief here is the Holy Ghost. Are we together? And the prosecuting attorney has got witnesses and one witness is Mr. Unbelief. Mr. Unbelief has grievances against the word of God. And there is Mr. Skeptic. He is very aggrieved by the word of God. And we've got Mr. Impatient. He is aggrieved by the word of God. And the Holy Ghost or the defendant through the Holy Ghost will call his witnesses that will come and dispute what the prosecuting attorney is saying. If you, as a believer, if it was in a real environment, would you be a reliable witness for God or not? If you were the only witness where God was being accused to have broken a promise, were you going to deliver such impeccable evidence that can make people walk away and say, God is not guilty. I, I, I'm asking questions here. I, I, we have moved from a point of contact. Now we are coming to you. Where, and when you are a witness, Brother Branham says, the, you've got to meet requirements. In a, you know, have you seen that a lot of people, they would see an accident and later, when the police come and say, who saw what happened? Everybody is disappearing. Because when you go to court, you must be sure of your story. Because you are going to meet a prosecuting attorney that is going to question you, question you, and is going to ask you many questions in different forms so that you contradict yourself. And when you contradict yourself, it turns around and it says to the magistrate, this is not a reliable witness. Are we together? And an and attorney, that is, a prosecutor that is sharp, they, they, you know, they make it, they really, really go and search and profile you as a witness. You have seen with the Oscar Pristorius trial what happened. For example, if today I can be a, a, a witness and I say I saw something, when I go to court and say I will present a case, an evidence that I saw it, a prosecutor will go and check and know that that man that will come here 
wear spectacles. And it will come and document that when, when did I start wearing spectacles? And when was the last time I went to an op- optometrist to get new spectacles away together? And if they can find, you know that the prescription is that within two years, when it elapses, you need to get new set of spectacles. Is this so? So if he comes and realizes that you, you did not get it, he can come to court and say, you say you saw my client wearing spectacles, but how show you that your spectacles are reliable because you did not renew your spectacles. So I say your vision is unreliable. When was the last time you went to an optometrist? So every, when you are in a court, every tiny evidence contributes to the overall picture. And one, one misstep can throw the case out of court. Or one misstep, somebody can come, can land into prison. I'll give you an example a mother goes to court to give an evidence that my son is not in any way a violent man. He comes into court, you'll bear with me, I'm just giving you a legal background so that when you get here, you are at least, I'm speaking to the initiated. When he goes into court, she goes there saying, I'm going to defend my son because my son is not guilty. But the prosecutor had already profiled the son and knew that when the son was growing up, he was involved in a sibling rivalry and the other sibling entity in the hospital. Then he comes, he says, Mama, you see your son is not a guilty person, is not a violent person. He says, yes, my son would never do that. My son would never harm a fly. Then he, he draws that record and says, do you remember on such and such day the other sibling landed into in the hospital because your son did something to him? Do you regard that as an assault? Now the mother cracked on the stand and they asked the question, say, would you again say your son is a law-abiding citizen? The mother that went to defend the son ended up saying, my son is not a law-abiding citizen. So when you are a witness, you've got to be sure of what you are talking about. When we speak that you are a believer in the almighty God and you are a witness, don't rely on a secondary information and say, I heard so or I read so. Sometimes you must say, look, look, I personally have experienced this and therefore I can become a witness. And the danger part today, the reason today there is a stumbling block within the message within the Christian cycles and even within the message community, we've got so many unreliable witnesses. Uh, are you here, church? We've got people that represent us and that want to talk, talk about the prophet and the message. And when you double click, you realize that this person knows absolutely nothing and is making a mockery out of the message. Are we together? Brother Bram say a witness is somebody who's really done something. Being somewhere, seen something, is that right? Now remember, a witness has to be an eyewitness to know what they are speaking of. It cannot be secondarily. God is a healer. Are you a witness? If you say yes, the second answer is bring the evidence. And somebody will say, I was sick. And the doctors looked at my situation and they shook their heads. But something in me believed in God 
and now I'm healed and I am the evidence that God is a healer. Does it, that sound stronger when you put it that way? Amen. Are we still together? Let's come to our Mr. Unbelief. Hallelujah. Mr. Unbelief has got issues here. If we can, Brother Bum say, as we open, Mr. Unbelief is coming here. He's got a complaint. He says, his complaint is that God's weight of promise is not altogether true. That's what his complaint is. He is the first witness for the uh, prosecutor. He claims that he is a believer. Hallelujah. He claims he is a believer. And he claims that he was attending a meeting some time ago, a Holy Ghost called meeting. And when the people were there, there was an anointed man that was laying hands upon the people. And he was busy giving them their scriptural rights, according to Mark 16, that they shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. And Mr. Unbeliever says, I was sick and I went so that a preacher could lay hands upon me, according to Mark 16. According to the promise that God has made. And the man laid hands upon me, and he declared everybody healed in that meeting after he had laid hands upon me. It has been two months. Nothing has happened. So, therefore, the promise of God is not true. Are you still with me? That is Mr. Unbelief. Now, Mr. Skeptic is being called again to make his presentation of his evidence. Mr. Skeptic says, I went to a church. I was sick. I went to a church that was supposed to have a godly pastor in it that had faith in God's weight. And they had oil. And the pastor anointed me with oil and prayed for me according to James 5.14, which is the promise of God, where it says, if there be any among you, let them call the elders of the church, let them anoint them in oil and pray over them, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and God shall raise them. And I heard this pastor who told me of testimonies and anointed me with oil and read a scripture out of God's promise. And I'm sitting here, it was almost a month ago, and nothing has changed. Therefore, on this basis, I say God's weight is not true. Are you still following the jury? Mr. Impatient comes. He, he, he says one day, all these claim to be believers now. He says, I read across Mark 11, 22 and 23, where Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that you have said what will come to pass. He said, if you, when you pray and believe that you receive what you ask for, he says, I have been crippled in my feet for 30 years. 
I accepted that promise five years ago and nothing has happened since. I'm still a cripple. Therefore, God's weight is not reliable. These are the three witnesses of the prosecuting attorney. Hear me out. This witness that I'm saying, they represent the spirits of people in the end time. Are we together? And it's not just a dramatization, but it's to depict a picture so that you know what is happening. Are we together? Now, the prosecuting attorney, which is the David, he says publicly now, these people claim to be believers. And God is not justified in placing such rational, unreasonable promises in his way when he doesn't beg it. Therefore, he says he's indicting God, finding God guilty, for he put promises in his way for his believing children. And his believing children step up and testify that they had accepted this claim and has made it a sin it in the way to, to be the truth, but yet they have no result. Therefore, he's in, 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 indicting God and is bringing this case against him to prove that he's unreliable, his weight is unreliable, and can never, cannot be believed. This, this is the summation of the three witnesses that the devil has called. Are we together? Now, it's time for the defendant to call his witnesses as well. The people that can come and testify that God's weight is the truth. And the Holy Ghost calls the first witness on the stand. This man is Abraham. And this man is coming to present his testimony or his evidence. This man says, God is truthful. I was an old man and I had a wife that was barren. But the same God who wrote the weight, one day that same God, he came into the body and came to me to give me an assurance in my old age that according to the time of life, thy wife Sarah shall have a son. And he says, unlike Mr. Skeptic, when God said a prayer of faith shall save the sick, God never said how long. Mr. Skeptic and Mr. Impatient were counting months. But in me, I never counted months. I looked at his weight. A year went by. The second year went by. The third year went by. And if I was like Mr. Skeptic or Mr. Impatient, I could have quit and said it does not work. But I took God at his weight. And 25 years later... One morning, something happened. My wife started saying, I've got certain cravings. And when I thought, what type of cravings? And I looked further, I realized that my wife was no longer an old woman because an old woman with old veins cannot bear a child. Then I realized that the same God who gave me a promise 25 years ago had now transformed my wife into a young woman. And when I looked at myself, I realized that I was a young man. And we received a son. His name is Isaac. 
And on those basis, I say God's word is the truth. He made a promise. He never told me how long. He said, according to the time of life. And you know, some Bible interpretation, they say next day. It's not next day. According to the time of life. It doesn't say how long. And I waited there, and God honored his wait. Are we together? We'll come to you as you say amen. To hear what you've got to say. Are we together? Now, the second witness that the Holy Spirit is calling onto the stand is a man called Noah. Noah comes on the stand and says, God told me that there were going to be floods. He never told me when. He just said there is going to be floods. My ministry was a very simple ministry because every service I had to say the floods are coming. One year went by. Next year the sermon did not change. The floods are coming. Get into the ark. The third year it went on for many years until after 120 years. And when I was there with my ministry Mr. Unbelief came to me, the one that was here, and told me that there was never rain that came from above. And he said he had a scientific proof that no rain ever rained. Are we together? And now, while I was there, Mr. Impatient came to me and told me, it has been many years. If it was the truth, it would have happened on the third year or the fifth year. But a hundred years later, God has not done it. Mr. Skeptic came and said, what, what a mockery. You, you, he, I even got into the ark. And when I was in the ark, when it was closed, nothing happened for several days. And Mr. Skeptic, the one that was here, used to come and knock on the ark and say, you old preacher, in there, what are you doing with your family? You are mistreating your family. Every person is having fun outside, but you've got your family there in the ark. Get them out. Remain alone there. And Noah says, but as a witness, I made a decision that he who told me is not a liar. He shall keep his weight. And before I knew it, one morning, I realized that the ark, when we woke up, we realized that the ark was off ground. It was now floating. And we realized that God's word had become the truth. And I want to say to the jury, it does not matter if he said it. It doesn't matter how long it takes. If he made a promise to you, he will make sure that you live long enough to see the fulfillment of that promise. And I know I'm a witness. Are you here, church? Are you still with me? 
Amen. Now, another witness is coming. Moses. Moses says, me I was born. And I was given a name, Moses. And I found myself growing in a palace raised by royalty. And I was told by the, the, by the nanny that took care of me. And she said, actually, she was my real fa- mother. And she told me a story of how God made a promise that there was going to be a deliverer. And when I was born, my mother and father knew that I was a deliverer. And they believed in God so much that I was a deliverer that when the enemy, Pharaoh, posed danger to me, they took me and put me in a basket and took me down the river night. It, I'm amazed as a witness that while the, the crocodiles were eating children, you know an animal, if it eats a person, it must be put down. But I was amazed that where the children were being thrown into, my parents took me right there in danger and put me. It shows that they believe that he who made a promise was faithful. And I, as a boy, I was in a basket floating amongst the crocodiles and none of the crocodiles did any harm to me. I believe the same God who created the crocodiles is the one that made a promise. And I believe as it was in Eden, God turned it into Eden until I arrived in the house of Pharaoh and I was raised in the house of Pharaoh and my mother was paid to raise me. And I say, I'm standing here and say, he is a Jehovah Jireh. And while I was there, my mother had told me how I was going to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. And later, I tried to do it on my own. And I killed a man. And later, I realized they found out I ran away. When I was in the desert, I thought it was all over. I thought what my mother had told me was not going to materialize. Until one particular day. I was walking alone in the wilderness and I saw a fire burning without the leaves of the the tree being consumed. And I stopped and God spoke from that fire and said, I am that I am. And he sent me back to Pharaoh and I went and released the people, two million people. I let them out of Egypt with the rod. Therefore, I'm standing here to say, The God that made a promise to the Israelites, 400 years later, he kept it through me. And I'm saying, God is not a liar. God is reliable. Take him at his weight. Are you here, church? We can go on and on. Maybe let's take Joshua. Joshua says, We followed a great man called Moses. He led us out of Egypt. And on the way, God took him home. And God commissioned me 
as a leader of the Israelites. But God told me to be courageous and not be fearful. And I took him at his weight. It looked like what God had spoken was not going to materialize. Until such time when I was leading the people and feeling a burden, I took a walk along. And later, I saw a man with a sword standing in front of me. And I said, are you for us or against us? The man said, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. And I realized that the same one that said, be courageous. He was now the one that had stepped into the body to lead us through the battle. And he told me simple words and said, you just go around Jericho. The first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, seventh day. On the seventh, go seven times. And he said, it was God telling me, if it was Mr. Skeptic, he was going to say God is making a fool out of him. But because I am a believer, and the promises are not for Mr. Impatient, the promises are not for Mr. Skeptic, the promises are not for Mr. Unbelief, the promise is for believers, and because I was a believer, I took God at his own way. I went around Jericho. The first day, nothing happened. And I never became skeptical like Mr. Skeptic. I never became impatient like Mr. Impatient. I never became, un- I never unbelieved like Mr. Unbeliever. And he says, the second day I went. On the third day I went. On the fourth day I went. On the seventh day I went seven times. And on the seventh time, the walls of Jericho came down. I am therefore standing here as a witness that the word of God is truth. I saw the word of God bringing the walls of Jericho down. Are you here, church? Let's bring a woman called Hannah. She comes and says, Me, I'm not a woman of many ways. Mine is very simple. I was the eldest wife. Got married to my husband. And he never gave birth. And my, wife, my husband married the second woman. And the second woman made her children, and they made mockery of me. They treated me in a bad way. Hallelujah. But I went down to the temple, and I sat down in the temple, and I prayed to God when everybody had left, and when I could, the tears were streaming down my cheeks. Until such time, even the pastor did not understand and thought I was drunk. But right there, God spoke to me and said, I shall have a son. And I took God at his word in the midst where people were being skeptical and making me a mockery. And today, I can tell you, I had a son called Samuel. Therefore, on this basis, God is not a liar. God's word is the truth. And heavens and earth shall pass away. But his way shall never pass away. Are you still here, church? Are you still here? I was going to go to Brother Brenham. But because of time, I as a pastor want to be on the stand. Hallelujah. And I want to say, the, the God's weight says, he will have a church without spot or wrinkle. And Mr. Skeptic might look at the message community and say, they are divided. 
He might look at the message community and say, they are not going anywhere. But as I'm standing here, I believe my prophet saw the bride marching. And I believe at the right time, the bride shall be manifested upon the face of the earth. And I believe there is an union, invisible union that is taking place. Mr. Skeptic cannot see it. Mr. Unbeliever cannot see it. Mr. Impatient cannot see it. But God is on the move and every word that he said is the truth. He said, greater miracles shall you do thee. And he said this 2,000 years ago. And I'm standing here to say, he was truthful because in this ministry, the Malachi 4 ministry, he did more miracles than he did when he was here. 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, he took the bread and the fish and multiplied them. But in our time, he did not need anything. He went back to Genesis chapter 1 and said, let there be a square. And there was a square. On those verses, I said, God's word is the truth. Can I go further? God spoke through the prophet messenger and said, there will be believers in the jungles of Africa. While the skeptic told him that his church will stand into a storeroom. And I'm here to report that many years later, there are many more believers on this continent than any other continent. Because there was a spoken word, there will be believers in the jungles of Africa. And here they are. You can sit there and say, you are not in a jungle. This city started in 1948. When the prophet spoke that, it was just a jungle. But many years later, you are sitting there. And that word has never failed. And that word has produced you. And that word confirms one thing. That devil is a liar. Mr. Skeptic is a liar. Mr. Impatient is a liar. How many feel that they can testify? How many feel they can tell him? How many of you were laying in hospitals? How many of you were sick at some point in time you wanted to give up? But many die, but you are sitting on your seat. You can raise your hand and say, Mr. Unbeliever, I am a witness this evening that the word of God is the truth. He healed me. He saved me. He preserved me. I will believe him. Wherever I go, wherever he goes, I shall follow. Therefore, Mr. Prosecutor, you have brought people that gave evidence. But they were not believers. And because they were not believers, the promise was not for them. And we are the believers. And we can say, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forevermore. It is not what we read. We saw him in our lives. We know he's not dead because he lives in our heart. We are the true eyewitness. And I don't know as you are sitting there. My conclusion, God is not guilty. The devil is guilty. 
He's a liar. He's the father of lies. But God's weight is the truth. We take God at his truth. The court agent. How many felt that they could be given a chance to say something? Any song that you have as we wrap up in prayer, Brother Philip will just come and wrap up in prayer for us. You are faithful, oh Lord. You Lord, 
Lord, we open the Bible, Lord, they, they stare at us, Lord. We know that we are part of you, O oh Lord. We cannot be lost, O oh Lord. Lord, how can, you, how can we, you lose us, Lord, if we are part of you, Lord? Every single part of the body, Lord, when, no matter what we are, Lord, the finger or the toe, Lord, whatever we are, Lord, you will see that we make it to the end, our oh Lord. Yes. And we're grateful for this message, our oh Lord, this, this evening, Lord. Just to have another, another push, our oh Lord, that we can realize, Lord, that the end is near and we, we will not be lost, our oh Lord. We will be there, our oh Lord God. Thank you for the inspiration that you've given our brother, Lord, to, to realize, Lord, that we are, that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Yes. And we are with you, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, pray, Lord, that you may go with us further, Lord. Thou will be done, Lord. And, Lord, may you just manifest yourself through us more and more. Lord, that we may become the light of this world, Lord. Lord, that we may become, that people may see us, O Lord. Lord, that may contact with us, O Lord. Go with us further. We ask in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. God bless. How many witnesses does God have this evening? Amen. God bless you richly till we see you on Sunday. Amen. I am the evidence of the cross. I am, I am, I am the evidence. How many evidences do we have?
song. Let's be dismissed. We'll keep you the whole night here. God bless. Any song. Because we won the case. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen.